0: Chatbots go from like being that nice, friendly Walmart greeter really quickly to that like kind of predatory person in the store. That's like, how can I help you? Have you seen this today? What about this? Could I interest you in that? And you're like, look, I'm just here to look at jeans. Leave me alone. If every time I come to your website, you're asking me how you can help me. Like it's a little bit at this point, especially in B2B, like that's not a good look.
1: You're listening to Content Logistics, a podcast for B2B marketers looking to build a content engine that drives revenue. In each episode, Camille Trent interviews the marketers behind the best content marketing flywheels and uncovers the tactical aspects of content production from first draft to first customer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Content Logistics. I'm your host camille trent and this episode is brought to you by my good friends tristan and justin over at motion they're the reason that this podcast exists that it has any sort of promotional assets like clips quotes summary of the podcast distributed on several channels they do all that stuff i just sit here i talk to smart content marketers and basically learn how to become better at my job. So hopefully uh, this podcast is helping you become better at your job as well. If it is, I would love for you to send me a LinkedIn DM about that. Also, if you are looking to start a podcast, which I would recommend, it's pretty good content play, then you should hire Motion. Today, our guest is Brendan Hufford. He is the founder of Growth Sprints, the founder of SEO for the rest of us, and he is the growth content marketer at active campaign so before this episode we talked about how he has a million jobs and he gets it all done so he's a superhuman and also a super marketer so he is coming on today to talk about the logistics of building a marketing chatbot that converts okay so chatbots i have a lot of thoughts on chatbots you probably have even more better thoughts than me but here's just like my garbage on chatbots and SaaS. So like every SaaS company and that founder's mom, like have a chatbot. And uh, the real question is like, do those chatbots convert? And I've heard, you know, success stories of like ones that they really convert, like Gong brought on someone specifically to do their chatbot drift. Like part of the reason that they were successful is because their chatbot was really good. Right. And people were like, I just want exactly what you have. Like, give me what you have before our business. But I can tell you from my experience that when I pull up a site on mobile, that it's like half chatbot, right? There's like this little chatbot that pops up. It like it's a bad like user experience if you're not creative with it and if you're not asking the right questions, or your chatbot's not asking the right questions, right? And so I've heard you recently like talk about the best ways to go about building the chatbots and what kind of configurations and flows that you should start with. I was super interested in what you had to say, and then just wanted to have you on the show to talk about the same thing. So that's kind of my like rant on chatbots. Wanted to just turn it over to you, Brendan, to talk about what you're seeing in SaaS with mistakes people are making with chatbots.
0: Yeah, let's start just a quick context. Like my diving into chatbots was not because I like woke up one day and I was like, Oh, you know what I want to do? I want to build chatbots today. I was the SEO director at an agency that worked exclusively with B2B SaaS companies. And when you're a performance marketing agency, you're tasked to get leads and demo requests and MQLs or whatever we want to call them. And we were noticing like, hey, literally as same observation as you, literally all of our clients are using Drift or HubSpot or something. And we're getting tasked against leads, but what if our leads are converting on the chat bot? We're not getting credit for that, we should. So we started talking to clients specifically, I don't wanna, I'm gonna steal credit here. I started talking to clients because I was tired of feeling like something on their site was like eating my lunch. So I was like, well, all right, cool. Is it converting? I looked at the data. I'm like, oh, it's not converting. Can I help you with this? And they're like, yeah. Right. Because again, like we're a performance marketing agency, the more conversions I could drive for them, the better. They don't care whether it's coming from SEO or or the chat bot or what, you know, what the channel or mechanism or what buttons getting clicked, like they just want the leads. So. Kind of came out of like necessity and a little bit with some clients out of desperation because I was at this agency in the height of the pandemic in 2020. It was just like, look, any way we can squeeze out more leads for them, like we have to. So that's where it came from. Now, where most of our clients started and where most of my like consulting clients that I work with today start is with the, uh, I call it the hello, how can I help you chat, where you're effectively paying. Five hundred dollars a month, or Lord knows what drift costs now. I don't even know anymore. I should probably know that because I'm like a certified partner. But you're paying five hundred plus dollars a month for the digital equivalent of like a Walmart greeter, and that's like kind of insulting to Walmart greeters because like they do a better job than most chatbots. But they just, you know, I looked at two, literally two unicorn billion dollar SaaS companies the other day that are competitors for each other, and they both had the "Hello, how are you?" chatbot site wide. And it's like, that's the biggest mistake is that they're a wasting the budget on the chat box. They don't need it. And number two, they're giving a bad experience to people coming on the site, right? Like if your website doesn't answer that question of how you can help them, you haven't done the website thing. Do you know what I mean, Camille?
1: Yeah, right. Like you haven't done like the the full like audience research, or at least applied like all of those learnings, because a lot of these companies invest in product marketing, right? Like they have a product marketer, or they at least have like content brand, like something they know, like they should know who their audience is. But I think you make a good point of there's two things that you said I'll back up even further of your job is probably not to create chatbots, or even to do SEO, like it's to convert People, right it's like to to get customers for your client or for your company so that's number one it's like just seeing those opportunities and thinking of pulling out all the stops like to get those even if it's outside like your job because at a startup like everything is your job right and so there's that set of things and then yeah and then there's also just like probably have so much insights, or you should like have a lot of insights into what your customers needs are. And so just applying that like to the chatbot and thinking of the chatbot as you'll level up from a greeter. It's like, yeah, you, you probably I think that's a good way of putting it is like, you probably don't want to pay what you're paying for a chatbot for a greeter. And so putting it that way, I think is really smart.
0: Yeah. And like every page you're on, as soon as I get to the page, it should tell me, here's how this page could help you right? Like that is what the page is doing. So you don't need then to redundantly ask that question, right? I feel like it's the uh, chatbots go from like being that nice, friendly Walmart greeter really quickly to that like kind of predatory person in the store. That's like, how can I help you? Have you seen this today? What about this? Could I interest you in that? And you're like, look, I'm just here to look at jeans. Leave me alone. And that's kind of what it turns into, right? It's following you around the website constantly asking, how can I help? How can we help? And it's like, They don't realize what a bad experience that is, especially with like the buyer journey. And admittedly, especially in B2B, not being a straight line, like it's a squiggle mess. And sometimes the line even disappears for six months. Right. And then comes back and like all that, like if every time I come to your website, you're asking me how you can help me. Like it's a little bit at this point, especially in B2B, and maybe this is just in like marketing technology, but if you're marketing to marketers and you have a bad chat bot, like that's not a good look.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I see the same thing with like sales is that like, yeah, sales people can call like <laughs> marketing BS like from a mile away. And so so we have to be very careful about that like at Dooley as well. Okay, so kind of like backing up though, who is a chatbot strategy for? And like who stands to benefit the most? And so just level setting, like who is this episode for?
0: Yeah, so I think it's a couple different people, anybody who would benefit from the obvious thing, right? Like increased signups. That's the obvious part. If you want more demo requests, leads, signups, whatever, this is who it's for. But additionally, it's anybody who wants more activation and anybody who wants more retention right? If I know you're a user of our app or whatever of our technology, and you come to the website, I can serve you with different resources that increases your level of activating on the product. Or maybe if you're on like a free trial or something like that. But if you're already like a paying user, I want to keep you I want to retain you. So let's have our chatbot be more helpful for that, right? Let's target those people. And then the fourth one that I don't think a lot of people talk about very much is it's really helpful with people trying to go up market. A lot of times when you're trying to go up market, you end up becoming everything for everybody, right? It's like, well, we were the self-serve SaaS and now we're going up market and we're enterprise. So we're enterprise, but also cool if you only want to pay $5 a month. And it's like, well, who are you for then, right? And you end up becoming this like beige sofa, right? It's like fine, but it's like your grandparents' basement, like beige sofa, when really you're trying to become like the executive sofa, right? And it's like, when you have a chatbot on there, we can have this general messaging on the page, but maybe we have really specific messaging towards our ideal customer, a CEO, a CTO. And it's not going to convert a lot, but there's something in the way we're messaging in that chatbot that if I'm a CTO or whatever, whoever like the highest level person decision maker is, but if I'm on that page and I see that messaging, I know it's for me maybe I only get 10 conversions on it a month, but it's 10 people that I could never reach any other way. And it's really helpful for going up market for that reason.
1: Nice. Okay. So so to recap that conversions, and then also like the CS play, right. And which is like retention of that customer support. And I would say, so even us, like, I think that we do, we definitely have like a great CS team, like a really strong with like the chat bot and like the support angle. But then the conversion thing, like I think is something that we can still optimize just because we haven't looked at it very much. And so, so know like where you're at right now, like, are you, do you have like the customer support stuff set up? Do you, are you more of like a conversion thing and then maybe try and round out the other side?
0: I try as much as possible to steer clients away from like using it as support. That's like a big problem. That's like the first thing that I have to set up with a new client. A lot of times is that they've trained their customers to treat it as support And we want to treat it as marketing, like a really nice like marketing slash sales kind of sales enablement type of piece. But if everybody's like, yeah, I just want they just hammer past all the options because they're just trying to talk to a person because they think it's live chat. That can be problematic. So there is like sometimes some untraining that has to happen or detraining, I guess might be a better word of customers.
1: Do you think that the chatbot is where you should point people to go for customer support? Or do you think that should be like another area?
0: So good question. I think that you can definitely use it as that. If you're paying per conversation and you have a low cost self-serve SaaS where you're serving, let's take active campaign as an example and you have 150,000 customers, if you're paying by the conversation, that is going to run your bill up really high. But if you're, you know, somebody who's more upmarket and maybe they're looking to go more self-serve, then maybe Right. It just depends on how many customers you have and how much it's going to run. Like, I always try to be conscious of that. It's not something I understood until I had to manage budgets at a big set, like software company, where I was like, oh, it's not just a flat fee every month. Like, we have to be conscious of those sort of things. So, I think that's kind of where I would draw the line on it. But yeah, I build out support chats all the time. Right. If they want to talk to a support person, we're going to log a ticket, we're going to do whatever. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that detraining process is keeping an option on there of like i would like to talk to support even if it doesn't feel like it goes with the normal path that we're trying to take them on
1: nice okay i just wanted to talk through like the results like the stakes like what kind of results have you seen then from optimizing chatbots
0: yeah well i think it's two pieces a lot of times we'll see an increase i mean people are going to engage with it the question is like how is our messaging it's like any sort of tool Some people engage with it really well. Some people engage with it terribly, like email for a long time. Like, I think we're all universally okay with people sending us emails now, but there was a time period. It's kind of like text right now. Like if I start getting texts from some SaaS company, I'm like, what are you doing? I don't want this in that place. So some people don't like chat. Some audiences don't like chat. They've been conditioned to not like it, whatever. So The biggest, like, yes, I've seen a a lot of engagement with the chatbots. The question is like, is this engagement gonna be like business forward, like net positive, or is this going to be like a really bad experience? A lot of times people blame the tool just because they haven't done it well. But I've seen drastic increases in signups and demo requests and all of those sorts of things. I've had companies that I've worked with go exclusively into like chat for everything, whether that's HubSpot or Drift. Those tend to be like the most popular ones. I will say Drift is like infinitely better to set up than HubSpot. So I definitely prefer it. But like I've also seen like very focused like chat bots used on landing pages or kind of alongside opt-ins and things like that pull in people who are CEOs and CTOs and big decision makers. Like I've had clients hit me up and be like, we have a conversation with like their chief brand officer next week. I don't know. It came through the chat and I'm like, well, that was literally what we built it for. Like that's, I'm glad it did the thing it was supposed to. So, I mean, I can't give like any sort of generic, like, well, it's always like a 10% uptick because it really depends on what we're doing with it. Like I usually run a playbook of like anywhere from seven to nine different ones. And in some of them, like we've seen, like the focus was like, Hey, we're, we're like, company-wide we're really focused on reducing churn cool let's see if we can have our chatbot like we wanted them to do the thing of like more signups but everything else is going to focus not just on like the support aspect of it but constantly feeding them like every time they come back to the website feeding them more resources how to increase like align their incentives with our incentives if that makes sense so an example would be like an active campaign our incentive is not to help them grow their business we make more money when they grow their email list they want to grow their email list too, because that does business things. So every time they come back to the site, what I would recommend for active campaign to increase retention is like, let's help them keep growing their list, right? Give them new resources every time they come back of like ways to grow your email list. When you start thinking like that and think very, it ends up, I don't know, I, I think in a long enough timeline, everybody in SEO just becomes a product marketer. So a lot of this is like product marketing type of stuff. It's not do you feel the same with like content, like especially in B2B, you just kind of become a product. Like there's some, the Venn diagram overlap just becomes a circle over time.
1: Yeah, no, we this could become a whole different podcast, but... Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, 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 it's, it's great. So shout out to like to Cody, by the way, who is also the guy that I was talking about from Drift. So Cody Bernard is our product marketer. and is like a brilliant product marketer, but it also made me realize that what he does was basically like a better version of what I did as a copywriter. Like in my first job was just like working. I was like, oh yeah, I was working. working with product marketers to like tell stories about their product and stuff. And that's basically like you have to have either be that person or like have that resource to create good content because you have to know like your audience like very deeply and you have to be able to tell stories. So yeah, it's like the same for SEO because it's just a, a different way to distribute. It's a way to distribute content, right?
0: 100%.
1: Okay, so this is actually a good segue what you're saying before if you have like seven to nine, like playbooks that you tend to use for chatbots. So let's talk about the first one. So someone's on a budget, like what is typically like the first maybe the simplest like uh, chatbot that you'll set up for clients?
0: Yeah, I think the one and this is something anybody listening can can set up today, right? Like if you're especially if you're already running chat on your website, and you're a content person, it's like, look, like, I want to support all of our work. This helps all of us do better, like do all the buy in things. Again, another podcast, but like, I think there's maybe the first ones are ones like kind of kind of already talked about, right? This I call it the, like one the supporter, right? Like set up something that's going to address anybody's need for support. I like to set that up on the support page. Like if you have a page that in your uh, header nav or somewhere on the site that just says support, cool, let's set that up there so it pops up with a support specific message. Everywhere else can be marketing focused. The second one that I would say you set up is the, and we've kind of already talked about this, I call it the old friend of like any sort of like returning visitors. Show them something new, show them something you're excited about. If you're making a big announcement, if you're doing whatever, maybe just give them more content Like, really, like bottom of funnel type of stuff, like product led content of like, here's how you do this really cool thing. Hey, we launched a new feature. I think it'll help you. Here's how, like that sort of stuff. And then the third one this is the one that immediately replaces the hello, how are you? Is the attention grabber, right? I want this thing to work for us and I want to catch people's attention. Now, you can set these chatbots up to not just like immediately blast people as soon as they hit the website like they came there for a reason let's let them read four lines of the content before we hit them up with like a slider and a pop-up and a chatbot and then they like go to move and then it's like oh are they leaving the website exit intent like everybody chill out I do this stuff too so I'm telling myself to chill but like that attention grabber what I lead with is this line called like that I say like do you want to hear a startling fact everybody wants to hear a startling fact and what you hit them with is a fact that leads them to like hit them with that. Even if they're unaware of the problem or if they're problem aware, which typically most people on your web, I mean, everybody is either unaware or problem aware hit them with that fact. That's industry specific. And then they're like, Oh my God, there's a problem to be solved. And then we take them on this journey deeper into deeper levels of awareness, right. From unaware to problem aware to solution aware to product aware, like all the way through that. And we can talk more about that in a second, but like, that's the biggest piece that attention grabber lets us take them down that journey. And it also lets them, if you picture like a highway off ramp, wherever they are in the awareness journey, right? We make the choices on there of like, wait, I have no idea what you're talking about. I want to read more about this. I send them to a thought leadership piece where we're like, there is a giant like fire burning around you. It's like the dog sitting in the house with the fire all around him. Like, this is fine. Like make them feel that like, oh, my God, there is a thing. Let me go read that thought leadership piece. Oh, no, I know there's a problem. Yeah, I agree. I've experienced that myself. Cool. Let's send them to like more of a problem aware article, something like that. And let them just off ramp at whatever level they're at.
1: Oh, man, this is great. So um, the last one like is like it made me think immediately of the website that like we just like stood up pretty new and how a lot of SaaS websites now are going about like their problem solution as like that old way new way, which I think is a good way of thinking about it. And with that, it's usually like a stat or a problem like that goes with it and then like what you solve. And so just being able to put either that stat or like stats around that as that like startling fact is really smart. And then yeah, and then thinking about the
0: support. With Dooley, like isn't it, I saw one of the things on the website the other day was something like a quote that was like, I saved two hours a week in Salesforce or something like that. Like that's a startling fact and immediately people are like, oh my God, I spent I I a lot more time on that. Like they just can take it right down there. Like that's just a very, I don't know, top of mind example, but every, I wanna enable everybody to be like, you have those startling facts, trust me, just talk to your team or talk to customers.
1: No, that's a good call out because sometimes like our product um, and other products like this can seem hard because it's more like a time savings, right? Like at least on the surface. And so they're like, oh, how do I back this into to ROI or to sales or something that people like really care about? But you usually can. It's just a matter um, like when I do customer stories, it's like a matter of like digging deeper. It's like, okay, you save this much time. And so, what did you do at that time? And how much money did you make? Did you make like during that time? So there's that way of going about it. There's a bunch of different ways to make it a more interesting story. But what I was thinking about specifically was like a third of reps miss quota, right? Like that's an interesting fact. Like what, like three percent, three percent of teams like hit seventy five percent of goal, like not a hundred percent, like not quota, like. hit like not goal. (laughs) And so there's a bunch of things that I think are fascinating and then in sales teams like think are fascinating when I bring this up in just day-to-day conversation. So it goes back to making your chatbot a conversation, like going back to your, your old friend thing too. Like these are just conversations that you might have like with a rep or with your boss and stuff and problems that they're trying to solve. So, so yes, I'm already applying it like to, to my situation. So hopefully this gives like people a good way of thinking about how they can apply it. Like what is your problem solution? What's your old way, new way narrative that you're talking about? And how can you get to that faster on your site?
0: Yeah, I even like there's all sorts of like tropes that we use in marketing. But even like if you have like a, an attractive character that you're trying to like push people towards or something like that, just modeling out that attractive character in there as well. Of Like, you know, they do this and they do that. Like you said, like only 3% of teams, not they hit quota. They still don't, but they get 75% of the way there. Like everybody knows that rep that just seems to crush it. Right, that AE that like hits goal every time, and they're always in like the you know whatever club, and like all the they get all the things, and it's like how do I do what they do? I don't know what their secret sauce is, and maybe their secret sauce is Dooley. I don't know. Like the things like that are like oh they got they got really good at not wasting time entering data into Salesforce, right? Like that Pursuit of Happiness movie where he's like I realized I could make more calls if I never hung up the phone. I just pushed the thing, and, like just saving those seconds. Things like that are like really interesting, but you push them into that character of like who they want to be. You start edging into that like transformation they want to have in themselves. This is very like woo woo and hand wavy, but it really does work.
1: No, it's true. I think you're talking to like the other side of the coin too. Of like, yeah, you can address like the loss aversion, like the negative stuff, which is usually a good hook, right? Like that's startling fact. But then there's also, I think, like when, especially when you're on those content pages, like you're bringing up a really good way that you could use a chat bot to deliver content upgrades, right, on that piece of content. So, you, for instance, like you have, I think we have one that's like. 10 habits of top sales performers or whatever. And so having like a, a checklist or something like along with that or a template, you know, that's delivered by a chatbot would be kind of like the next step as I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah, especially if you're delivering lead magnets and stuff, just look at your and you're running ads, look at your best performing ads. That'll give you an idea of what you need to do there. Like I I know that uh and this isn't a B2B example necessarily, but I know Morning Brew has always crushed it with ads of like, hey, you sounded really smart in that meeting. And it's like, Yeah. I actually just read morning brew. I don't, that's, that's why I sound smart in my Monday morning meetings. Right. Like you put that in the chat bot, like all of a sudden, like that is like, like, Oh, okay. Like, Hey, do you want to sound smarter in your Monday morning meetings? Yes. Yes, I would. (laughs) I would really like to know what's going on in the world without having to spend four hours reading a bunch of stuff. So anyways, I think like there's a lot of hacks to it, but really again, like we just kind of keep circling around this, like on better understanding of the customer and better understanding of the product.
1: Yeah, yeah. Those things and then getting people to a better version of themselves, like I think is is what you're talking about, too, with that Morning Brew example and having it all go back to that. Okay, so those are the first three to start off with. And then you mentioned that you have like seven to nine. So I'm going to keep pushing you on until we get to those seven to nine. So we've set the foundation. We have like those three chatbots. Like now what?
0: Yeah, so I think there's a couple other ones that are are really interesting. So we talked about the supporter, the attention grabber, the old friend. There's another one I call the announcer. Adrift did this fantastically when they launched whatever it was their like second new category, revenue acceleration. They sent everybody to this terrible press release page. Like as a company, they sent everybody to the worst press release page you could ever be on. And the reason was the press release was so bad that you couldn't help but engage with the bot on that page, which I have screenshots of it. It was wonderful. It was so much more fun. They even had like a TLDR version and there was emojis. It was just way better storytelling. But anytime you want to make a company announcement, when I started working with like SaaS and software companies, I was working with this company called living as one that does like software that helps connect like multi-site churches and video and stuff. And they like made a big announcement about like this like new like Facebook connection and streaming and I'm like that should be your bot like for just for like 2 or 3 days you want to make an announcement you want to let everybody on the website know just put it in your bot for a couple of days and that's all and you can just make that announcement really easily the other one is like the most obvious one is the demo bot not like hey do you want a demo but like on your demo page give them the option I have worked with a couple of clients that have we've set up like a really cool option where they can fill out a form or they have the option to start a chat. That's really increased conversions just because like, it doesn't force you into either one. I can either give you my information in the bot or I can put it in a form. They both work. And then the, another like more like obvious play, I call it like the a lead connector. Like it's just an ABM play, right? Like (laughs) if I ever go to Drift's website, they're like, Hey Brendan, how are you? (laughs) Okay. Like clearly, no, it's me, but it's I'm sure I'm in their system and I don't I'm not like an ABM, like, uh you know, an account they're going after, but they do know me and you can set that type of stuff up, especially now where, you know, for a while it was like a little hectic of like, we don't know what nobody's in the office. We don't know who they are anymore and all those sorts of things like that's fine. But a lot of us have been in, in the same spot for a while. A lot of us are logging in through the same like laptop or computer or from the same IP address or something like that. You can start to understand those things. And there's a lot of different ways to put that together. But I think that ABM play is really interesting. And then like the last two, these are my most fun ones. We're talking about leads and we're talking about demos and signups. And that's cool. If you're a marketer listening to this and you want to support your sales team and you want to support the business, that's cool. The only thing in your company, and trust me on this, the only thing in your company more valuable than a customer is your next hire. And we, for some reason, don't put the effort into hiring and attracting top talent that we do into a customer. Like the cost of a bad hire is catastrophic, right? But a bad customer, like you just, you know, they just churn. (laughs) It's okay, right? So why don't we start putting our chatbots, Sumo Logic did this extremely well, just put your chatbot on your hiring page, on your careers page. That's a game changer for a lot of companies, especially if you're small, especially if you have one marketer or five marketers or one content person, like g- support your HR team, support the teams that are hiring by having just an awesome chat bot on that page. That's like makes people feel valued and seen and like really shows in a fun and quirky brand voicey kind of way that usually we don't, you know, hiring pages. It's just a list of like positions you can click through and whatever. Right. Right but then even at like the deeper level if you're not like sending people off to another platform like really get into that i can walk through like more examples of it but and then the last one is i call it the discovery bot discovery bot you run this once or twice a year and it literally just asks people a question like if you had a magic wand what would you solve about this about the problem your company is solving right this was mind-blowingly important during the pandemic we saw so many clients the jobs to be done changed for the software. They thought it was one thing and people started needing it in a different way. And it was like, Oh, and we had data to to back it. Cause a lot of times, you know, you get into those meetings and you're like, Oh, uh, well I think it's this or, Oh, I think it's that. Or, you know, I got an email the other day and they said this and like, you realize you're making like big company decisions based off like one comment on like a Facebook ad or something. And it's like, okay, let's like slow down. And now we have quantifiable data of everybody who's visited our website for the past two weeks has told us they care about these features the most. They're solving this problem. That's an absolute game changer. And again, like just run it for a week or two site wide. If you have a ton of users, you could do it for a day and probably get great data. But if you don't have a ton, like run it for a week or two, get a bunch of information. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, here's what average site visitors care about. Because again, we can segment out the people using our product a lot of times. Here's what our our product users care about. Interesting. There's a disparity or, oh, it's aligned And here. Like all of that, it can guide content decisions. It can guide kind of like the way I use like gong and stuff a lot of times to like guide content decisions. I should also be using my chat to seed like really important, like what direction should I go with the content, that type of thing. And that kind of hits like all of them at a high level.
1: Nice. Yeah, that was super helpful. I'm just trying to like comb through all of it and make sense of it. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. For that last one, are you saying that you're using kind of like a survey in there too? Or are you just asking like a series of questions to like get down to the bottom of it?
0: I'm just asking a series of questions, right? Like if I said like, you know, if you had a magic wand, what's the first thing you would like enhance about whatever the problem is? And they tell me some stuff, right? And then I can make it open-ended, right? Like I could just ask them to tell me what that looks like at your company. And they might just say something. I might just say, thanks a lot. Here's like some resources that might help you, right? Just some sort of helpful sign off. And then we end it. We're not like, do you want a demo (laughs) or something? Like it's just, it's okay. Here's some resources. Thanks. Have a great day. Right. Or like something, or like whatever. I'm sure most companies would be like, yeah, you push for the demo, push for the conversion. But like, you know, we just take them down and I just build it out like a couple on, e- like, it just spider webs out from each one. And this takes a little bit of time and a little bit of research and talking to, you know, people on the team. I call it like the three S strategy sales, success, and support talking to them, especially as a consultant, like I don't get to talk to a lot of people's customers directly. So I'm kind of limited to just talking to the team. So I talk to those three S teams and get that information. And then, yeah, it's not necessarily like a, a full survey, but it does walk through. And the cool thing with most chatbots is if somebody bounces, like if they're over it, we still get the information that they put in and we can also see the drop off. Hey, when I asked this question, 90% of people dropped off. Weird. What's going on there? And we, we can start to like, have just better information later on we see something pop up in our product we're like oh that was that we saw that thing in the chat before that's interesting like all of a sudden we get like really interesting data points when i say that because i'm trying to hedge that people don't think like we make decisions off of our chat bot but i think more data points is always helpful in marketing for sure
1: yeah. One thing that I didn't expect to get from this call, but that I'm getting from this call is also just different ways that you can like squeeze out the most juice from a piece of tech, right? So we've done like a similar thing with UserLeap, and you could do the same thing with Hotjar, like where they have like those little micro surveys that are just little pop-ups like at the bottom of the site. But what you're kind of suggesting is like, oh, you can kind of accomplish like some of that same thing and maybe get even more data because it's more open-ended because it's a chatbot. You know, and so thinking about it like that, like not necessarily like exclusively, but it could be like in tandem with whatever survey that you're running that can just like help validate or provide like extra context for whatever other survey or product research that you're doing.
0: Yeah, I usually ask just something like, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Right? Because we're automatically qualifying like they're open to answering a quick question. Is it helpful if I share like some other of the openers that I found to be like really interesting?
1: Yeah, this is going to be my next question. So please.
0: Sweet. So I don't want to share like copy this. I don't want I'm not giving people a swipe file on this one, but I want to give you a framework to think about it. And I think that is infinitely more helpful. There is this old paper. It's like a PDF. You can find it called the psychology of curiosity. The problem is whoever scanned this thing in like years and years ago, scanned it in crooked. (laughs) So, like the PDF is awful to read. And You also, it's not like a modern PDF where you can like highlight text. It's just like, it's basically an image. It's awful. But I got introduced to this. Shout out Benjamin Elias, my previous boss at Active Campaign, opened my eyes to this. And uh, Ernie Santarelli, who's also another all star at Active Campaign, got me really into these like five curiosity levers. And these guide so much of what I do now. I'll lay them out really quickly. So, the first one is ask a curiosity inducing question right? Like, did you know? Or, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Do you want to hear a startling fact? Like, that's a great opener. The next one is start a sequence of events and then don't finish, right? Like, you know, if you were, you know, if I was doing something for Dually, I might be like sales plus or marketing plus sales plus, and then like dot, dot, like leave it blank. So they're like, wait, what comes next? Like I have to, these are just like open loops. They have to close. The third one is just like, do something unexpected. There's a lot of times that we take ourselves really seriously and we think like, you know, we're, we're data driven marketers and everything. But like, I think like sometimes you can get a lot out of just like doing something kind of like interesting or unexpected. Like at Active Campaign, there's like a great question of like, would you ever write a one word email subject line? And it's like, well, that, that would be unexpected. Do you know who Sticker Mule is? The sticker company?
1: No.
0: Okay. So I love them. I use them for like all my stickers. They make great stickers, whatever. Anyways, the point is like they send their sales emails are literally just like subject line stickers, t-shirt. And I'm convinced these emails crush because they're so simple. You don't open to them unless you'd like to buy more stickers or t-shirts or something. But like, anyways, the point is like, it's just an unexpected. I just get an email that just says t-shirts in the subject line. Like, it's just unexpected my inbox. You can do the same with chatbots. You can do it with all sorts of marketing.
1: Have you bought from those emails before?
0: Yeah, this morning. I bought holographic stickers that I didn't need this morning. So that's why it was like such a top of mind example. And I spent 118 time. No, no, you need
1: holographic stickers. That's like, that's in the need need category. For sure.
0: It is. My my (laughs) oldest kid has started skateboarding and he's like putting stickers all over the bottom of his skateboard. And he's like, dad, can I have some of your stickers? And it was just the proudest moment of my whole life. I was like, yes, you can have stickers of all my myriad of projects. So, yeah, well, let's pay 100 bucks for stickers. Anyways, then the fourth one. So ask a curiosity-inducing question. Start a sequence of events. Don't finish it. Do something unexpected. Imply you have info they don't have, right? Like, what is, like, mm-hmm. some, I, you know... Uh, I'm making this up, but like, what is Harvard Business Review doing that you're not? And you're like, I want to know what Harvard Business Review is doing. Like, wait, what do you mean? Like something like that. And then the last one is implying they used to know something that they've since forgotten. Right? Like the fourth grade method of getting more sales. It's like, wait, there was a thing I learned in fourth grade. Why don't I remember that? Like, I don't know what that is. I'm going to click it. Right? All those curiosity levers are so helpful. And I lean on them a lot with chatbots, but you can do them in email subject lines. You should be doing them in ads. If you're listening to this and you like posting on LinkedIn, Twitter always use a curiosity lever in your tweets because especially if you have a thread, cause it gets people to want to read the thread. And on Twitter where there's that like read more thing, I always try to use a curiosity lever in the top so that, or at least create like an open loop. So they'll hit read more and want to learn the rest. They're immensely valuable throughout all of content marketing. Uh, we just happen to be using them also for chatbots.
1: Perfect. Yeah, no, this is just like a crash course in, in marketing in general. But like a side of chatbot.
0: Everything is everything. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, I was just telling someone on our team that like everybody This is kind of unrelated, but everyone is like a giant baby. <laughs> like everyone's just like experimenting, like testing things, like figuring things out. And like, that's what it is. Like it's and that's what a lot of this chatbot conversation is, right? Like it's lean on what you do know, right? Like lean on your product team, like your CS team, your sales team and stuff. Ask like, set up those conversations like with customers, like so that you do like feel like you know what they want and then reverse engineer like what's the question or the curiosity lever that you need to pull like to get them there.
0: Especially if you're a marketer. And this is like very apropos for some like a product like dually, but also like we a lot of us serve sales teams in some sort of way. So if you can come to your sales team and be that like glue between the marketing team and the sales team and speak fluently between both teams and you can be that person not only are you securing your career but you are building an incredibly valuable skill set and if this if the chatbot thing because a lot of companies that have chatbots and they're like oh, i don't know that our sales team runs that cool let's come to the sales team with like suggestions and recommendations of being like hey can we a b test this if we have the traffic or like hey can i make some recommendations i think this could get you better leads more leads I want to test this on this one page. Cause I think we can pull in some of those like really high value leads that we don't seem to be getting like all of that sort of stuff. I think that, you know, you can get a lot of alignment and a lot of buy-in and it also like if you're working in a big enough company, like there's no downside to making friends like that always pays off. Then later you're like, Hey, we need to get this thing going. And half the sales team is like, Oh yeah, I'm down. I'm down with what Camille wants to do. Cause she helped us with that chatbot thing. So like, whatever she says, just give her the resources. Like that sort of stuff is really valuable and it helps us like play the long game. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is like something now that I think about or bring up with like 30, 60, 90s too, right. Of like getting those like quick wins and like conversations going with different departments and stuff. So yeah, a lot to be said there. And then the second part that just made me think of was with content specifically, since this show is like mainly about content, content marketers. I've found like being the glue in between organic and paid too is really helpful. <laughs> like, cause you'll, you will make like a lot of friends cause you're like, Oh, like have, we've done this for organic. Like, can we just do the same thing for paid? Like, can we carry it over there? And this is something that I basically just learned from our like director of paid at marketer hire. Cause oftentimes it's like a shared resource. because like a small team. And so oftentimes like, I would be kind of like that glue in between there of like, yeah, creating this paid stuff, but then just started thinking of like, Can we repurpose this for organic? Can we repurpose this for paid? You know, and you just, like, when you have a small team, you just get, like, again, like, the most juice, like, out of everything. So both of those things. Be friends with sales. Be friends with paid. Like, oftentimes content, like, people think, just organic but it's not like everything is content everything is everything as you said
0: 100
1: cool so you talked about openers and i will i'll wrap this up soon too but ctas so it's like specific ctas like per page on like what those asks should be how do you think about those
0: yeah i think like you can break it out right like by page type length of thing like all these different things a lot of times drift will make recommendations for new places of like you want this on your pricing page you want it on like these like Pivotal decision making pages. I break it out by like the uh, Eugene Schwartz breakthrough advertising like levels of awareness of like unaware that gets its own CTA. If they're on this page, and I'm pretty sure they're just problem aware. They're especially because my SEO brain, they're just googling the problems and pains they have right? Our job there at the Problem Aware, our CTA is just to show them we get their pain, to deeply empathize with them. The content should already be doing that, but the chatbot should augment that, right? By just like, Like take them deeper into the like, if you use like copywriting frameworks, right? Like problem agitation, like use your chatbot. Maybe like see if like agitating that problem with the chatbot is like helpful, right? But either way, we don't want to like, we're not like book a demo because they're only at the problem aware level. They don't even know a solution like yours exists, right? Or just take them to the solution aware level. Let them know your type of software exists. Your type of solution even exists in the world, Right. Hey, did you know, like there's software that can help you, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, let's learn more. So unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware. Like I actually know your specific product. I'm on the page that I would only get to if I actually was had some level of like what your product is. Pricing page is a great example. And then down to most aware. Right. Like I just need to know the deal. And so just tell me the deal. So all my CTAs are entirely focused on, and again, like we talked about the buyer journey is that like horrifically squiggly line and everything. I totally get that. But just because they bounce between different parts of the buyer journey doesn't mean we shouldn't do our best to address them. I think a lot of times marketers say that so they can like, well, the buyer journey is super messy. So let's just throw our hands in the air and not do anything. And it's like, well, that's that doesn't help anybody. So like the biggest thing is. Just understanding where they're at, making sure we address like that specific level of awareness.
1: Nice. Yeah, I love that answer. And it also what you're talking about, too, is like aligning your chatbot with the content on the page. Like that's been a recurring theme around here, too. But it's like as simple as that. It's like, what are you already talking about on this page? And like, what's the next step? And have your chatbot kind of be that next step.
0: Take them down that journey and like really make sure you can. The coolest thing with most chatbots is you can copy and paste. So I'll just duplicate a chat bot that like has a full journey built out and then just delete the parts and link them back up where they don't make sense. But I want to have like, uh, this is kind of a, a hacky thing, but like you can have like a master chat bot that takes somebody out. That's totally unaware that the problem even exists all the way through each levels of awareness. Again, letting them off ramp where they're comfortable, pushing them into like other things where they're comfortable, all of that sort of stuff. And then like on the page, all right, cool. I'm going to, Now I've built my whole thing out. It's not super complicated or time consuming. You can do it in a couple hours. Now just copy and paste that and delete everything that doesn't make sense or lead with like whatever one you're pretty sure they're at. You can do it really rapid fire as long as you have that like master template built out.
1: Perfect. Okay, cool. Well, as promised, like I will let you go. The last thing I was going to ask really is what resources do people need to get started? So we mentioned a little bit of tech. Yeah, just talk about kind of the resources that you would need like to feel comfortable to get started.
0: Yeah, I love that question. So I think there's a million different chat solutions out there. A lot of times you'd be surprised like you already have one available to you. I feel like, my, like I was talking to somebody the other day, they're like, we're on Zoho. And I'm like, it says they have a chat bot. I don't know, let's figure it out. But so there's obviously like a tech cost. The bigger question, and I can tell I'm talking to somebody more savvy if they're like, yeah, 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 the tech, whatever. Who do we get to run this? Do we have to hire somebody? Do I have to have somebody in this? I hear this phrase all the time, like, who's going to man the chat? Nobody. (laughs) There's no chat. This is not live chat. There's no way they could ever talk to a person, right? Like, unless we're specifically building it for that purpose. So, and if you need, like, you don't need anybody extra. It might really just be a workflow change. I'm very adamant you do not need to like have anybody's job be to sit on chat all day unless you are again like like if you're you know HubSpot probably have people dedicated to that you have huge traffic you're doing so many cool things with it but in terms of like getting started you do not need an extra human like I said you just need the tech and maybe possibly changing some of your workflows a little bit.
1: Perfect. Well, yeah, I've learned a ton from this chat. It's really good talking to you in person. So where can other people find you, though?
0: Yeah, of course. If you want to get a hold of me, I love LinkedIn. So it it feels weird because six months ago, I would not have told you that. But I noticed like a very strange like I just I always left Twitter feeling bad about something. And as much as LinkedIn has all of its like weird tropes to it and everything, uh, I never leave LinkedIn like feeling bad. So I spend a lot of my time there. I share my best stuff there every single day. I'm very adamant about posting like really good either how-to content, like something that will make a meaningful impact for somebody or at least be extremely interesting every single day. And outside of that, growthsprints.co is probably the best place to learn more about what I do. So I have a lot of projects, but that's the one that's probably most appropriate. If you were like, hey, I want to learn more about how to set up chat, especially if you're working in B2B, which all of your listeners, growthsprints.co is definitely the best place to do that.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, I can highly recommend Brendan too. If you guys, anyone out there needs a consultant, needs a friend.
0: I'm also a friend. I will be your friend.
1: (laughs) You have a marketing community as well. So so I'll uh, point that out.
0: Yeah, allinhouse.co is a, We just call it All In, but the website is allinhouse.co. It's just a community for in-house marketers.
1: Perfect. And uh, that's a lot of uh, who's listening to the show, that and uh, content marketers, freelancers in general. So really appreciate you coming on and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Camille. Thanks for listening to Content Logistics. This episode is produced by Motion, a done-for-you B2B podcasting agency for busy marketers. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.